Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and I just want to tell you how pleased I am to know that you are finding this podcast to be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe in whatever platform you're listening to Devotional. This way you will be notified every time a new episode gets published. And don't forget to click on the links for all the free resources to get the most out of this podcast. Also, if a specific episode has been of special blessing to you, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones. Lastly, please consider becoming a regular supporter of this podcast. Even a 99 cents a month contribution would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome to Devotional. This is lesson number three, and we are on day four for Tuesday, January 15th. Well, I hope the length of these podcasts have not intimidated you from listening to them. Um, I realize they're long, they may be longer than the commute you usually take. Um, so I, I just encourage you to just um, bookmark it or leave it where you're, at, where you're at and just listen in in segments. Um, but I cannot, I do not want to leave out some of the things that um, I've gleaned from this study. And like I said, there was much unexpected fresh insights that I had never seen before. I hope they are as much of a blessing to you as they have been to me. So Sardis, uh, this church, uh, if it could be summarized, is a church that has a reputation or a name for being alive, but it's actually dead. So how, how, do, how does Jesus relate to this church? Uh, Jesus tells this church he is the one who has the seven spirits, the Holy Spirit, we've already learned that, and he is the one who has the stars, the seven stars. But he doesn't mention the, seven, the right hand. He says the seven stars, the messengers and the angels. Um, and alluding to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that act, active, activates, actuates, inspires, and guides these messengers, these angels that have been commissioned to take these messages to the seven churches. Why would Jesus, to a church that claims to be alive but is actually dead, why would Jesus introduce himself as the one who has the seven spirits, the one who has the Holy Spirit? Um, I, I asked myself that question, and Romans chapter 1 is the first verse that popped into my mind. Romans chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, I'm reading out of the New American Standard, says, Concerning his son, who was born of a descendant David, according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power, by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here, the, the Paul hints at the fact that when Jesus was resurrected, he was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. And through the resurrection, he was declared to be the son of God. First um, Peter chapter three and verse 18. Um, let me get there in just one second. First Peter. Chapter 3 and verse 18, we read some identical words, but from a different apostle, the apostle Peter. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Again, 
here's a strong link. Jesus was dead, but became alive. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the same way that we will be resurrected by the Spirit, so was Jesus. So Jesus is speaking to a church that is dead, and he is presenting himself as the one who has the Holy Spirit. The, the same Holy Spirit that declared him to be the Son of God is, uh, through the resurrection is the same Holy Spirit that can make this church that is dead to experience resurrection, to be made alive again. Now, of course, the, the contrast here is Jesus suffered a complete death. And uh, if you want to be more technical, he experienced the second death for every single human being. Because the just and the unjust, we, we all experience what the Bible calls the first death. The cemetery uh, is full of people that are good and bad. So that is not a judgment call. When people die in accidents, when people die of cancers, when people die of all these other you know things, that's not a judgment call. That's not, that does not determine or indicate whether they were saved or lost. It is not. Everybody experiences that. Innocent children experience those, that, that first death. It is the second death that Jesus died, and we will spend more time as we get into the book of Revelation. All we want to get at is that the, the that same death that Jesus experienced, the Holy Spirit was able to bring him back from that and experience the resurrection. And it is that same power that is available for the church, for this church, to go from being dead to being alive. And Ephesians chapter 2, you, all, you may have already been thinking about this verse too. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 says the following. And you were dead in your trespasses, trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, pay attention, it is when we were doing these things, God loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, transgressions made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Precious, powerful, isn't it? And real. And in the same manner as this Jesus was dead, was made alive by the Spirit, Jesus presents himself as the one that has that same spirit that can bring this church that is dead in trespasses and sins and compromise and iniquities. It can bring this church back from its spiritual dead condition back to life. Now, this is it sounds science, right? But if you stop to think about it, churches, my churches, all the churches that I pastored in the past, uh, most English, uh, most uh, Christian churches, and I would go even outside of Adventism, um, we talk about this revival, right? We have revival meetings. Uh, we have revival weekends. Do we really know what we're saying when we say that? That we're going to have a revival? If, if I were to go to any of my churches, uh, I'm pretty confident that if I were to, from the pulpit, say, do we want a revival for our church? I would probably get some hearty amens. We all want that, myself included. But I stop to think, what is it that I'm really saying when I say I want a revival? 
That word revival doesn't mean nice, happy emotions or new sermons with fresh insights. Revival means that it's a composite word. Re means again. Um, vive means alive. To become alive again. You know what that implies? It implies that <laughs> unless I have this revival experience, I am actually in a spiritually dead condition. So for churches to say we want a revival, um, great. But do you know that that means that you think you're not alive? You're not where you ought to be spiritually? It's not that, you know, we know we're kind of slowing down. We, we're kind of like losing our, our breath here faster than we normally. It's not that we're out of shape. It's that we're dead. It's not that we need a little patchwork here and there. It's not that we need to learn a little bit more about prophecy. Revival means that we have allowed ourselves to become so consumed by that which, by that which Christ rescued us from, cleansed us from, that we are in a dead condition. Now, there's this tension, right, that is in the book of Revelation regarding this church, Sardis. And the tension is that Jesus is saying you're dead, but then he says that there are dead things in you and that if you do not address these dead things, you will die. Um, there is this transition. You know, I've seen several documentaries about when is someone actually dead? Because you can have someone that is brain dead, whose lungs and hearts are functioning normally, but they're not there anymore. They are brain dead. Um, there are individuals that have, you know, their brains are alive. They're still in there. But their bodies are not responding and they need to be on life support. And the hope is that the body will kick in. Again, the heart will start beating on its own. The person will be able to breathe on their own. But in the meantime, we hook them up to machines because that person is still there. When we say, you know, squeeze the finger, there's a faint little squeeze in there. Or so, there are the measures by which we can tell that, you know, we should continue keeping this person alive. And I think about that when I think about this church. I think about some of these respiratory therapists that would come into the room, so these patients that I would do wound care, you know, for bed sores and things, and that these respiratory therapists would uh, speak loudly into the ear of some of these patients, breathe, Mr. Jones, breathe, take a breath on your own, breathe. Um, they, they wanted this person to respond, uh, to react consciously, to take a breath on their own, and I don't know the condition. I don't remember some of the preconditions that these individuals were in. I just remember how loud these respiratory techs, uh, therapists, would scream into the ears of these individuals. Um, and I don't mean in, you know, trying to burst their <laughs> eardrums, but loud. Louder than even I'm speaking in this podcast. And it was to get a response. It was to get a reaction from the person. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, thinking that this is how Jesus is speaking to this church. Not angry, but desperate. You're about to die. You have no clue how close you are to being spiritually dead. And um, there is hope. There's hope if you hear what I'm saying to you. There's power. I am the one that was dead and was made alive by the Spirit, and I have sent the Spirit. It is because of me and my sacrifice that the Spirit can now work in powerful ways to take those that were dead in trespasses and sins and make them alive in me, through me. So when we want a revival for our church, we need to be honest and say, do 
do I know what I'm saying about our church, about me? Let us not look at what the pastor or the elder or the deacon, but me. Do I need a revival? Do I need a revival today? And if the answer is yes, the, the second question would be, how? How do we get these revivals to take place? And we will talk about that when we come back in just a bit. So, revival. It's interesting, you know, as I'm reading and scanning through these churches, I'm realizing they're not all that different and the solutions are not all that different either. Um, remember Ephesus, the, the triple R's, the remember, repent, redo that Jesus told them uh, because they had left their first love and this is how they would re regain, reclaim that first love experience. Well, this church is being told you need a revival. You need to be alive again. And Jesus gives here some beautiful insights as to how to experience a revival. Um, in verse 3, Jesus tells us to remember, very similar to Ephesus, right? right? The first R, remember how you have received and heard, keep and repent. Remember how you have received. You know, I'm glad I have different translations because the New American Standard said it, you know, in a very normal way in English, you know, remember what you have heard, but there was a little number next to that what. And when I looked at the margin, it said literally how. I went to the New King James and other translations, and sure enough, it doesn't say, it doesn't tell us to remember what we have heard, but how. It's very significant. But what does it mean, right, Pastor? Pastor Ariel, what does that mean to remember how you have heard? You know, it's one thing to hear information uh, with a, an attitude of, I, I am here now, I'm present, you got my attention, versus hearing information in a very indifferent, I can't wait till you're done because I'm out of here, I got better things to do. See, that's how. It's not what that you have heard, but how you have heard. Jesus wants to correct our attitude before he even gives us the information. It's, it's the attitude that makes a difference. And Jesus is a, is a very functional person. He's a very functional being. We are the dysfunctional ones. Just tell me what I need to do real quick so we can get it done and over with and we can move on. What, what kind of an attitude is that? And you see, every single church has that appeal at the end. He who has ears to hear what the Spirit says, let him hear. He who has an ear is not, I mean, I have two of them. You have two of them too, hopefully, and they work. But even though our ears may work, the attitude with which we listen makes all the difference. It's not what I hear so much as how I hear that makes the difference. And here is Jesus speaking. And Jesus is saying, you need to correct your attitude, how you have you're listening to me, because then that will determine what you, whether you receive this or not. Because when we had that first love experience, we heard with eagerness to follow, with eagerness to surrender, with you know whatever the Word of God said, wherever the Holy Spirit said, boom, it's out of our lives, or boom, we are incorporating into our lifestyle. But now, how do I hear? You know, we, we, we joke about this, right, with our children, with even spouses. You know, we have selective hearing. We hear what we want to hear. 
Well, that's how we choose to listen, and it is a choice. And so Jesus wants to, us to repent from the incorrect of how we listen to him and confess we, we listen with a stubborn heart. We listen already predisposed to let it go in one ear and out the other. But Lord, I'm recognizing that that's me and I'm dying. I go to church every weekend and I hear sermons and they do nothing for me. And you may be complaining about the sermons. They're too short, they're too long, they're too this, they're too that. The problem may not be with the person speaking and what, what is being said, but how you're listening to that sermon. That might be the real issue. And Jesus is speaking to this church in a serious condition. Listening the wrong way can lead you to spiritual death. Because Jesus speaks, the way Jesus describes himself in the, in the Gospel of John is the Word. What we speak, what we hear. And how I hear determines my eternal destiny. So, just wanting to put that before you. And uh, I want to read Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You know, you can become attracted to someone visually. You can become interested in someone, you know, because of the way they look, the way they dress, the cologne. Those things catch the attention. But what keeps the attention, listen carefully, are the words. The pretty face, the handsome face, the facial hair, the lack of hair, (laughs) in my case. Those things, you know, they may catch someone's attention. The career, the car, all those things. But what keeps the attention are the words. And that's what Jesus, how Jesus talks to this church. You remember, remember how you have received and heard. Keep, hold fast, says the King James. How, do, how does one, you know, attention get kept in a relationship? By that person's words. Because that the words of that individual reveals who that individual is. And if I am attentive, if I am enraptured by what this person is saying, ah! <gasps> I am falling in love. And Jesus says that, you know, circumcision or uncircumcision, it doesn't mean anything. What matters is faith working through love. My faith, it is through faith that I can hear God. And as I place my faith and focus my faith on what God has to say to me, it will provoke in me, uh, desires to understand him more. I will not understand everything. I'm still getting to know my wife. My wife is definitely still getting to know me. And the only way by which she can get to know me is not by staring at my nose or studying my elbow, is by listening to my words. The same with me for her. Paying attention. And I got to tell you, uh, the first years of marriage, the, the difficulties that we had was that I, I heard what my wife was saying, but I wasn't listening my attitude was that of, okay, we you know we're going to go through this again. Oh, man, you know, attitude. It wasn't what my wife was saying, but how I was listening to her that made all the difference. And Jesus wants us to focus our faith in what he says with an attitude of, what you're saying to me must be important. In your providence, I must be hearing these words for a reason. You don't want me to be spiritually dead. 
That's the reality of this church. Jesus is not saying, you know, like a callous physician. Well, I guess you're you're done for. Sorry to hear that. Here's the bill. Jesus is not that kind of a physician. Jesus is the kind of a physician that doesn't lose a patient even after they die. He can bring them back from the dead. What makes a difference? It's how they listen to this physician. I'm going to finish with this one last passage. You know, all of all of this discussion, of course, centers around a revival. God can bring a powerful speaker, and he can speak powerful words that God wants him, wants the church to hear. But it will avail nothing if your attitude is indifferent, blasé, oh, I've heard that before. You know, that's the attitude that I had for years when we had evangelistic series. Oh, here we go, talking about 666 again. But you know what? I would go there and my attitude was so wrong. I couldn't wait. You know, I hope this speaker doesn't go past 930 because it's a pay-per-view boxing match starting up at 945. I want to be there for the whole thing. Horrible attitude. Of course. What could I, what could I gather from that? But it wasn't until my attitude changed. How I listened made all the difference. And that is how Jesus says, you want a revival? Check your hearing attitude. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14 is how we're going to close this episode. It says, uh, Philippians 3, 7, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but a righteousness which, righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, and here it is, and the power of him, his resurrection. How was Jesus resurrected? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul's not dead. While he is alive, and this is after his conversion, Paul still senses the need to know. He has this desire. His attitude has changed. I want to know the power of his resurrection. What declared Jesus to be the Son of God, the resurrection by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to know that power in my life as well verse 12 verse 11 continues in order that i may attend to the resurrection from the dead 12 <clears throat> excuse me not that i have already obtained it or have already become perfect but i press on so that i may lay hold of that for which i also was laid hold of by christ jesus brethren verse 13 brethren i do not regard myself as having laid, laid hold of it yet but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You want a revival? You have to press on. You want a revival in your personal life? Don't say, I want a revival in my church. Every member needs to make this choice personally, individually. If you want a revival in the church, start with yourself. And you start by remembering how you listen. How is your heart attitude? 
And then you press on. You recognize, I am not there yet. I have not yet attained it. But I now desire. My attitude is different. Now I want to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus. What brought him from the dead, the power of the Holy Spirit, I want that power in me that can take me from being dead in trespasses and sins and make me alive in Christ. I want to know what that is like in my life personally. I want to know what that is like in my thoughts, in my emotions, the seed, the, the, the genesis of all my choices, behaviors. All of that comes from within. I want to experience the transformation of the deadness inside of me to be made alive and alive like Christ. This is the beautiful message that we see for this church. This church that is self-deceived. You may say, I am alive, says Jesus to Sardis, but you are dead. But you don't need to wallow in misery with that diagnosis. I am Jesus. I am the one that was dead and now I am alive. And it is because of my resurrection and ascension to heaven that today, if you ask, I can give you the Holy Spirit and today you can experience the power of my resurrection in your life. This is Pastor Ariel, and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of Devotional. It is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word, including using the study tool of our Sabbath School Quarterly. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. This way, you will be notified each time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional. Devotional.